Welcome to Foreman of Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And it's that comfort time of the year. It's warm today. It's chilly this morning. I mean, what does that mean, Cindy? It's so exciting. It's time for slower cooked food, braised food, and soups, and all kinds of things that are hot and warm and make you feel good. Let's stick to one topic. <laughs> okay. Let's just stick, let's just stick to soup today. Okay. Sounds good. Because there's a huge family of things that fall into that. Right. And I'm definitely a big fan. Like once, you know, you know this, you, you, you work late, you get home, you want something warm. You don't particularly want something heavy, but you want it to be satisfying. Man, soup is easy. Mm-hmm. You made it yesterday, right? It tastes better today. You always love when someone else makes you soup. Definitely. You like yeah. when your mom makes you chicken noodle soup? Oh, I definitely liked it when my mom made that. She makes great chicken noodle soup. It's a request in the whole family to this very day. So why don't you start with uh, Mother Wolf's chicken noodle soup? How does she make it? Okay. Um, she would stew a whole chicken, which was nice because she liked to add the meat, the, the uh, tender cooked meat, to the soup. Uh, and she could also... Uh, use it for other reasons, other purposes, uh, would often make chicken salad for lunch as well, which was always delicious. I can tell you about a million other things you could do with that chicken. Um, but that's what she would do. And so she would, uh, it would, she would clean the chicken, remove obviously the, the insides and, um, break it down. Uh, and she did not brown hers. Uh, she just used it straight and would add it to the pot with water and mirepoix carrot, celery, and onion. And you don't need that much, probably maybe two carrots, half an onion, maybe a stalk of celery. And uh, just would add all that cold water, probably about four to five inches above the level of all the bones in the meat, and um, bring it up to a boil and turn it down to a very, very low simmer and just cook everything until it was nice and tender. And then she would strain the broth uh, out and um, she always used Pennsylvania Dutch noodles uh, to make her chicken noodle soup and um, uh, then would, uh, you know, right before she served it to us, would add some of the meat to the soup uh, to to warm it up and and add it to it. And she only seasoned it with salt and pepper. So it was very, very simple, but uh, just the best thing in the world, quite frankly. Yeah, I'm imagining, you know, when you got home from school, it was a little chilly. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's toward the 1st of November as we're getting there. Right. Right. Well, I grew up in northern Indiana. Um, oh, it was probably chilly. The yeah, it was 15th September. Chilly and <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we, we, we started skiing pretty early in the year. So and enjoying winter snow. So, yeah. So uh, September, it could still be a little bit warm, but definitely near the end of September for sure. October, absolutely. Leaves changing, you know, full on fall and really, really cold nights. Um, super. Oh, gosh, I miss those days. You just like it cold. I do. I think I it's one of the reasons weather. you make such good soups. <laughs> uh, well, I love making soup. Um, to me, sauces, soup, and risottos are my favorite things to make. They are labors of love. Um, I say this all the time. The more effort you put into making any food, but especially something that's a slow-cooked dish, uh, just the more you pay attention to it, the more you take care of it, 
the more you check the seasoning to make sure it's going in the right direction. Um, and especially something like a rice where you're absorbing liquid from the very beginning, you want everything to taste great from the very beginning. But when you're making a soup, you're often reducing. So that's another thing to think about with soup. It depends on if you're doing a stock based soup where you, you, you could be actually reducing the liquid versus let's say, you know, a, a, a potato soup that has a little bit of cauliflower in it. That's not something that's really going to reduce that much. But you want to think about, should I really put very much seasoning in from the beginning or should I wait um, to finish? And you always put a little bit in from the beginning for sure. Um, and then and then adjust as you go. It's interesting. The A lot of times people, I think, think that soup is made of leftovers and made of all kinds of, and, and you can utilize things to make soups, but you know, like, for, and, and they can make beautiful things, but not necessarily pretty mm -hmm. things sometimes. Thinking about mm -hmm. just how you make a mushroom broth, if you're trying to make a vegetarian soup or a, a vegan soup, one of the best ways to have a lot of developed flavor is, is a mushroom broth. Mm -hmm. But it takes time and you have to have the product. And, and there are some mushrooms where the stems are nice, some where they're not nice uh, to, to get flavor from those guys. Right, right. You know, so you, you so you can be utilizing the the cap for one thing and the stem to work on that broth, but you you, you have to pay attention. And mm -hmm. a lot of times, you always talk about mushrooms being a high water content. I'd always, if I'm going to make a broth with them, they're about to go in water. I'd like to not dry them completely, but at least put them in a very low oven for a little while. Mm -hmm. You know, and and get some of that water out of there and develop a little bit of flavor before they even start becoming what they're going to become. Mm -hmm. Maximize yeah. that woodsiness. Right. Well, and I, you, you were talking about vegan soups. I make um, a tomato carrot curried soup for vegan. Um, and it's just, oh my gosh, I love how, I love that soup. I, I could eat that soup all the time. It has so much flavor. It's pretty spicy. Um, and I, it start, it all started from when I was working in Charleston, South Carolina, there was an Indian restaurant, um, down, just down a couple blocks away from where I was working. And I had never eaten traditionally cooked Indian food and was so excited to eat there. And I went down one day for lunch and had a tomato carrot soup and just thought it was like one of the most beautiful, bright, refreshing, like interesting things I'd ever had. And so when I make that soup, it's it's really uh, simple. I saute onions and shallots in corn oil, and add uh, tomato puree, uh, a good almost an equal amount of carrots, and I do use a mild curry. I also put a little bit of saffron in, and I put a good amount of Tabasco in, and a little bit of cayenne, and and um, that's just you know let it cook, check your viscosity if it's getting too thick, add a little bit more water, and um, salt. And um, certainly, uh, probably close to the end, and then just puree and strain the soup, and it's just one of the best things. Um, and I love that it's, you know, it's low in fat, so it's good for you. It's, it's, um, but it's just really bright on the palate, and and it just shows how great vegan cooking can be, um, if you have a sense of tastes for spices and combinations of flavors, what really goes together. I think that's one of the biggest questions people have for me, you know, how do I know what to put in a soup? 
you know, what, what's going to go together and what spices or herbs should I use? And when should I put the herbs in? I mean, the, there are a lot of good questions about how to make soup. But that, I mean, that, it's, a, it's the details that make it, you know, that like I was, I was talking about the making me think about vegan soups, the making a mushroom broth, like I was talking about and reserving the caps to saute as a, as a garnish in that soup, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Or to make little mushroom mm-hmm. toast to go along with that soup is, you know, if you're making a full meal out of it. Um, but that's an easy one to, you know, soak white beans and then add them to the broth, cook them with mirepoix. Uh, same thing with sweet potatoes, let's say. Uh, a little bit of Calabrian chili. Have the mushroom mm-hmm. toast on the side of that guy. Mm-hmm. You're talking about and button she- mushrooms? Uh, it could be button mushrooms. could be uh, porcinis if you have... <laughs> Yeah, that sounds it's, good. It's it's it's, it's come out in my brain this time of the year, you know. Right, right. Yeah, por- porcini and sweet potato and 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 white beans with Calabrian chili and uh, and a mushroom broth and mm. yeah. I mean, what else do you that want? That sounds great. No, that sounds really really good. <laughs> you even have that nice yeah. protein source snuck in there. I was thinking about you know I, you know I I know I talk about truffles a lot, but it is that time of the year for white truffles, <laughs> and the idea of just making a truffle soup is just it just sounds so wonderful to me right now. And you could make something so very simple and white truffles are so pungent that, I mean, yes, they're horribly expensive. Um, but you could use really a very little bit to perfume, say a potato soup. You know, if you, again, saute onions and shallots, I mean, I I can't, I can't think of any soup that I've ever made that I don't start by sauteing onions and shallots in something, butter, corn oil, whatever it is. Um, but do that and then add, uh, in this case, I would add a good white chicken stock, uh, stock that has not been browned. The bones were not browned. And, um, and then uh, add potatoes. And I would, I would use Yukon Golds and let that all cook until the potatoes are tender. And then add the truffle at the end, and, uh, or a, a part of a truffle, I guess I should say, at the end and puree it and finish it with cream. And, um, oh God, and salt and pepper. But I mean, finishing it with more slices of uh, truffle. Well, yeah, that would be really great too. <laughs> but I mean, to to some extent, truffles are no. You can do you could do that with a number of mushrooms mm-hmm. to to give good oh, flavor. Yeah. I, mean, I think myatakis would be superb in that. Definitely in that sort of organization. And if you sauté them until they're almost a little crispy <laughs> as a garnish, oh yeah, yep. yeah, and that sort of organization. <laughs> uh, come awesome. on, I like it. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you you have the form, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that that's the organization. I mean, we're just like insert mm-hmm. this, remove that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's mo- that's most of cooking, isn't it? Yes, for sure. That is the the foundation of cooking is understanding all of those things. You know, understanding how to braise something, all the all the basic cooking principles, and then and then just you go from there. That's where your create creativity comes in, or or availability comes in. Well, it's also um, where the earth comes in. I mean, like you 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 know you want to make a a. A velouté, right? A, a classic, lightly creamy soup that you see in France like crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if it's summer, maybe you're making zucchini velouté. Or maybe it's tomato. In the autumn, it might be roasted pumpkin. Mm-hmm. In the spring, it might be asparagus. In the winter, what do you think? Uh, well, one of the things about a velouté is that it's a stock, th- any stock thickened with a roux. And uh, so it can be a white veal stock that you then add um, pretty much anything to. Uh, you could add any of your wild mushrooms. You could add um, 
butternut squash or spaghetti squash and make a soup. You could, we're getting fresh cauliflower in this week. Um, you could, you could add the cauliflower to that. Uh, you could make a collard green soup that way. Um, I would use a ham hock stock, thicken it lightly with a roux, which is butter and flour in equal parts, slowly cooked in a pan on the stove, or in some cases of traditional New Orleans or Louisiana cooking, a brown roux, which is finished in an oven because it takes so long to make it and has to work so gently. But typically it's a, a blonde roux, which only takes about three or four minutes to make on top of the stove. And if you if you made a smoked ham hock broth, lightly thickened it with a roux and then cooked your collard greens in there and pureed it, oh my gosh, that would make a really, 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 and you wanna strain that soup because there's a lot of uh, fiber and collard greens. Um, so you could make, or you could use kale, could make a kale soup that way. Uh, exactly. That's the nice you're, thing you're... about having a velouté because it is something that's thickened. And that way, if you're using something with a high water content, you don't have to worry about the soup being too thin. That's that's why we use a roux um, to, to Exactly. To you have your up. organization mm -hmm. and you adapt it to the situation and the particular ingredients, right? <laughs> yes. It, yeah. I mean, that's yes. it's funny. The other day, I was missing making a stock that we used to make in another restaurant. Uh, with the the brown, you know, the brown chicken bones and the and the pig's feet. Yes. And it was so sweet. Yes. And and it was so, frankly, so sticky <laughs> from the right. the pig's feet. There's so much gelatin in there. Yeah, the gelatin. And yeah, the viscosity. You, you want to try to make a velouté with that? That's crazy. Pig's feet. You know? Yeah. If you can, yeah, if you can get pig's feet to make a stock, it really, it really is incredible how much gelatin it adds. Um, and and uh, it's it's it's. It's also nice. What well, you obviously have then the pork flavor. Um, so if you eat pork, that's that's really, you know, it's very specific. You know, you think of chicken or veal as being far more neutral, um, but yeah, you start adding pig's feet to it, man. You're talking like, oh my gosh, that would be so great with beans or, or your collard greens or you know anything with a whole lot of flavor. If you were making some sort of soup that had meat in it um that that those pig's feet in a stock are just a great addition yeah Yum. that's late night dinner let me have soup made by that stock some collards a little <laughs> garlic mm -hmm. and maybe i can borrow one of those tabasco peppers that you're growing yeah well i have about eight thousand of them so please i can bring you some <laughs> it's it's the biggest pepper plant i've ever it's a tree I, I grew a pepper tree. I didn't, I didn't, I can't, I <laughs> just can't even believe it. But anyway. Oh, I, you know, I, I think, saw what, I, I, yeah. when I, I went by when you were, when you were gone on vacation and took some uh, of your edible flowers. Oh, and Good. <laughs> Down to my cooks. Yeah. Thank you for doing yeah. that. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. I mean, it literally has got to have like a thousand peppers on it. <laughs> it's, I, I think I could make my own bottle of Tabasco from this thing. Um, yeah. It's fun to grow those, but. You know, I think also the other thing is, you know, are you doing a clear soup? Are you are you doing like a consommé, which is, I mean, I think everybody should try that once. So I'm going to stop you there. When we come back, let's talk about a couple of different forms of soup because we kind of just, we've done the first segment pretty emotionally <laughs> driven, <laughs> honestly. Let's spend a little bit of time on individual technique. Uh, let's talk about consommé. Let's talk about... A rich cream soup that's nice to get you to the winter or maybe thinking about the, the holidays down the road. And then maybe let's talk about some unusual ones when we come back on Formidable Fun, Food and Wine on WIPR. Mm -hmm. 
Welcome back to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Jeff Cindy Wolf. And we're talking about soup today. And uh, I guess that sounds blasé, but man, I'm, I get excited about this stuff. Oh, I, me too. Um, it's just one of my favorite things. We always have two, three on the menu, and they're ever-changing, except for the lobster soup, which we can't take off because it's so popular. But Be- Because yeah, they would burn seasonal. the restaurant down. <laughs> because if you took it, that soup off, people would burn the restaurant down. Well, that's a story. The evolution of yeah, that soup is a story. We could talk about yeah, that. Yeah. No. Go ahead. So uh, you know, we when when I we had the restaurant prior to where I work now, uh, that was more traditionally low country cooking. So I was doing she crab soup there, which is a cream based soup laced with sherry and finished with crab meat. It has a little bit of a mirepoix in it and a, uh, traditional spices would be cayenne and nutmeg. Um, and that's pretty much what's in there. Um, and in the South, you'll find oftentimes that they over thicken that soup. It does have a light roux in it. And often, uh, you know, I don't know why I, I, it's, it's, it's just one of those things. So if you do go to make it, just thicken it very, very lightly. Um, uh, once it comes up to a boil, you should see it becoming viscous and then you've added the right amount of roux and then you need to cook out any roux for 30 minutes and also keep in mind when you are making making something with a roux that because it is it does have flour in it that it will stick to the bottom of your pot so you always have to stay no matter what kind of soup you're making you should always stay on the bottom of your pot meaning that you should be scraping the bottom of the pot uh, stirring the soup making sure that it's not sticking which will then eventually burn and ruin your soup um, and also with a with any cream based soup you obviously don't want any brown pieces in there you you want it to be nice and uh, uh, clean looking so um, the the uh, I forgot what I was gonna say what, what the hell we were talking about Tony she crab soup oh the, the lobster, lobster soup, soup sorry, is sorry. What that okay was the about. evolution okay so the 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 lobster soup is what ended up coming out of that, right? Right. Well, we, we, we had a, a big deal lunch that was coming up. Right. So for well, a wine importer and a, a certain wine writer. Yeah. <laughs> One of the and, best, the best in the world was coming yeah, for and, lunch. And, and you decided you're going to make your like super crazy, almost impossible to do big effort soup. Right. And because of course it was like eight people so i we weren't open for lunch i was just making lunch for these people and um i had lobster stock we had we had just gotten lobsters in i'd made lobster stock and i thought oh gosh you know what instead of making we had actually evolved from she crab to shellfish bisque which had more shellfish in it was a slightly different soup so that's what we had been making and then i thought gosh you know what i'm not gonna put all that in there i'm just gonna make a lobster soup so i took every bit of the lobster stock that I had, which was quite a bit, and reduced it down to almost nothing. And then added cream and added, I thought, gosh, you know what, this would be really good with some curry in. So I added curry, I added saffron, a little bit of this and that. I'm actually not going to give my recipe away. And um, yeah, and so it, it, it turned and it just, 
I tasted it. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, this is like one of the best things I've ever made. It is absolutely as satisfying as something could be. And then I butter poached the lobster and had all these big pieces of gorgeous, sexy lobster and poured this, we poured the soup over at table side and we had the curry oil and the arugula oil garnishing it, which brings a perfume up when you, you know, the hot soup hits that, those two oils and you're just like, oh my gosh, this smells so good. And I just put so much time and effort into that soup for eight people. And then you were at the lunch and you I came was. back. I had the soup you, and I... you came back and said, you have to make this. You have to put this on the menu. I'm like, there's no way I don't have enough. There. I have lobster stock. I can't possibly put this soup on the menu. And you're like, oh, no, you got to figure it out. It's too good. No, and I, I triumphantly irritated you into doing it. Well, I did it like the next day. Yes. No, and I know that so... you did. You're proud of it. You should have been proud of it. <laughs> well, yeah. And it's, it is, it, it, I am very proud of that soup. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a little bit different. I mean, I'm not the first person to make, I'm one of a gajillion million people to make lobster soup. So, uh, you know, that's not something new, not that there's anything new in food unless you're making it molecularly, but it is something that is, is I'm very proud of because I think it really does come together beautifully and, and people love it. So that's, I'm proud of that. I'm proud that I make my guests happy by making this soup. And, um, I like the presentation. I like that it has a butter poached pieces of lobster. Sometimes people don't understand why the lobster is not boiling hot. And with lobster, I expect that hot soup to continue to heat that lobster, um, as it sits, because with lobster, it becomes so constricted so easily with heat that I want it to be tender. And that's why I let it go out a little bit cool and expect that soup to heat it up a little bit more so that it's not actually cold, cold. But, um, you know, that's not that, nice. Not yeah. nice for it to be tough. No, I'd rather have it be cold than tough, quite frankly. So, um, yeah, it's it's I love that soup. And, and my crab soup has also evolved. Um, you know, so now we're talking about cream-based soups. So at some point we'll talk about consomme and, and uh, vegetable procedures. But with, with the crab soup, I think the biggest thing is, is if you can get the hard crabs in and make your crab stock, it's the same as the lobster soup. You're just going to make this brilliant, brilliant, beautiful, flavorful soup that tastes like crab. I mean, what else do you want from crab soup? Nothing. You want crab meat to be in there. You want some cream in there and you want it to taste like crab meat. And um, uh, so if you make your own stock, just be very careful as to how much mirepoix you add and how much tomato paste you add. And if you are adding alcohol, which I like to do in the form of cognac, um, uh, don't add too much of that either. You want Crab is literally one of the most delicate flavors that there is to me. And you want to do things to, you know. You want to support it. it. You don't yeah, want, I want to crush support it. it. I don't want to, exactly. In no way do I want to crush it. So, yeah, so you make your, you know, you, 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 you get your live crabs in, you break them open. Uh, I usually quarter mine. Um, and then you have a big, heavy, in any soup making, you're going to want a heavy bottomed pot. And it has to be stainless steel. Don't even think about making a soup in anything other than, I mean, in aluminum. It, no way. Invariably, you're going to be using something that's going to react with that aluminum, and your soup is not going to be as good as it should be. It's going to be, disc, it, you will, probably won't notice it, but it'll be slightly discolored if it's cream because it reacts with the metal. The acids in the cream, acid in tomato, um, and there's other acid in other products that you might use in your soup will react with the metal. So you want a stainless steel pot, and you want it to be, 
your best heavy duty pot. With, with something like doing a crab stock, you need a big bottom, wide bottom pot uh, and short-sided because you want to brown those things. Well, not brown, but you want to you want to begin to bring up their color. That's a better way of putting it. In a neutral oil like corner canola. And once those have started to work, then you add a little bit of carrot, celery, and onion, which is what mirepoix is. Mirepoix can have other things in it, but the basic mirepoix is carrot, celery, onion. And um, work that, do not get color on that. Add water, add a little tomato paste, a little bit, and add, I would add a little bit of like two pieces of bay leaf if you're doing, let's say a pot for, you know, eight people, two bay leaf, maybe eight black peppercorns, and I would not add any other herbs or spices, nothing, zero, and let that stock work. And then strain it, reduce it down a bit, and then begin to make your soup, which would be, again, saute onion and shallot and butter, add your stock, reduce it down a bit. You don't have to reduce it down a whole lot, but you need to reduce it down some, and then add cream. And I would thicken that with a light roux, and um, and then you can decide, do I want do I want nutmeg a tiny, again, using nutmeg, mace, those two things can be very powerful. Just a pinch of, of nutmeg or and or mace, I put both in, um, and a pinch of cayenne. Again, don't let it be too much. You don't want to overwhelm with the heat. A little bit of black pepper, salt, and then finish it with a beautiful sherry like Amontillado, and you have a gorgeous, and then obviously you garnish it with the lump crab, um, and you have a gorgeous crab soup. It's funny, a subtle thing that's happened in the last, what, couple of decades with nutmeg. You can, it's much, people have just realized they can just grate it fresh instead of always buying the mm -hmm. powdered stuff in, the, in right. the store. The difference in the perfume that you get from it, from a very small amount, is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love nutmeg. It's such a beautiful spice. And Mace Rubber is on the a microplane. Right, exactly. That's microplane is a great tool to have in your kitchen. I highly suggest it. I think they're like twelve or fourteen dollars, and you can do so much with a microplane and grating nutmeg. And they actually make a little, a tiny one that is specifically for nutmeg. Um, pretty cute. I have one. I've had it for years and years and years. And um, yeah, grated nutmeg. Mace is the outer shell of the nutmeg. In case you don't not familiar with mace. Um, so it tastes pretty similar, but it has a slightly different tone. But you know, when you go from lobster soup or or uh, any kind of shellfish soup like that, if you're making shrimp bisque, I will give you a hint that when I make shrimp bisque, um, I make it almost exactly the same way I I, I would make uh, the she crab soup or the crab soup. Uh, but I well, you have to make the stock. I don't, yeah, and I do not puree the shrimp into the soup. That may seem you can get great flavor from buying little shrimp that you peel and devein and maybe cut in half and saute in butter, add onion and shallot, add, 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 a, add a shrimp stock that you make from the shells, which is simply wash off the shells, put them in a pot, add cold water, bring it up to a boil and strain it. You can add your shrimp stock and your cream. And then again, I like cognac in my shrimp bisque. I do like a, a cayenne and Tabasco salt and pepper, but I let it cook until those shrimps are cooked to death and then I strain it. And, you know, we will actually, I mean, like all the staff will be like, oh my gosh, can we have those shrimp? I'm like, yeah, they don't have a whole lot of flavor left, but if you want them, you got it. And, um, yeah, and it, it's, I just can't stand the way the pureed shrimp, the texture in the soup. I used to always puree it in. Yeah, um, flavor is nice. Texture yeah, is not nice. Not so nice. Exactly. So that's, that's a, that's a good uh, hint for making a beautiful shrimp bisque. Yeah, they're like little bumps of flavorless. 
weirdness. From, well, it yeah. almost feels it, it almost feels mealy on the palate. That's it, yeah. that's 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 it, and I don't like that at all. So, no matter how many times you strain it, it's so fine. I mean, I have a very fine sieve. I have a chinois. I could pass it through there four times, and it still just won't all come out. So, yeah, just and, and it's done anyway. It's done its job. You can you know don't feel badly about discarding them or. If you feel there's value to them, then make a little shrimp salad or do whatever with it. But uh, pretty yeah, much the flavor is gone. Go to the fish tank. <laughs> the um, that you know, uh, while you're on cream soup, mm-hmm. um, the one that I secretly admire that you have made at times is a football season oriented soup. It is that that Guinness and cheese soup that you oh, have made. I love that soup. Mm. So. Okay. Get get into that, and then we'll close out the cream soup segment of things. Are we? All and right. do something more healthful. Okay. So that is onion and, and a good amount of onion, some shallot, sautéed in butter, no color, just tender, and then add chicken stock and uh, cream. And I, I would only add I would I would say eighty percent cream, twenty percent chicken stock. Actually, I'm going to say seventy percent cream, thirty percent chicken stock, because you're going to add potatoes, and it's going to thicken up pretty quickly. So, um, add Yukon Gold potatoes, and you know I would like take each potato, peel it, and cut it in four pieces, and add that, and uh, cook the cook that just until it's tender, and then I add the Guinness at the end, and the viscosity will be helped by the addition of the Guinness. And, you know, I, I, gosh, I probably make, I usually make about two gallons at a time. I don't make a huge amount of the soup when I make it. And um, if I add one Guinness to that, that's about the right proportion. And I add that right at the end when I finish the soup, not before I puree it. So if I said that, I didn't mean that. Um, but what I do add when I puree it are all my artisanal cheese scraps, except for anything blue or anything that is uh, a crazy strong washed rind piece. So things like Montgomery's cheddar, uh, Coulet, uh, some of our hard pressed pieces. Um, I might have a little bit of uh, parm parmigiano uh, that I can add, uh, but I try to do a little bit more exotic pieces that have um, less, a little bit less salt on the parm. So um, you know the Coulet and things like that are great additions. But Montgomery's cheddar or any of the great cheddars, um, my favorite, of course, is only Keens in there. Period. But uh, unfortunately. Neil's Yard has changed the way they're selling that cheese, so it's not available to us anymore. Um, you can buy it at the grocery store, though, which is really crazy to me. Um, but it's an expensive piece. It's very, very special. So Keen's Cheddar, that's what I would, if I could get my hands on that, that's the only thing I would put in that soup besides the beer and all the other, the potato, et cetera. And um, so puree, added the cheese in the blender. You are not cooking the cheese. You do not want to cook the cheese. That will ruin the soup. So just add it to the hot soup in the in the blender and puree and then finish with the beer. And I will remind you, as I will always remind you, whenever you're working with a hot liquid in a blender, be very, very careful, please. I, It is one of the worst ways to get burned. The blender is close to your eye level. And just please be cautious. Do not overload your blender. That is a serious piece of advice. Matching wine with soup is always tricky, but... This seems like the easiest match of all time, doesn't it? <laughs> I think I can match this one. I, I don't. I don't need a sommelier to figure this one out. No, I mean, well, I guess I. Oh, I don't you know. weren't going to say good, Guinness. <laughs> well, that's an easy one. I, honestly, one of the one of those very like nutty English ales, I think, would be really attractive with. Okay. Um, you don't. I don't think that you have to have something quite as heavy as the uh, as the stout to okay. carry that off. 
Mm-hmm. Wine-wise, I'm not sure. Something the, red. Uh, something red. Or or what about you, like, do you like German wine with that or not? That's that's not a bad thought at all. That's not a bad thought at all. Uh, maybe a Hauptrocken or something like that mm. where there's a little bit of sweetness, but it's pretty firm and the acid's good. I'm going to think about that while we okay. take a break. All right. On Formula Wolf on Food and Wine on WIPR. That's a good question. <laughs> Stay with us to find out. Welcome back to Foreman of Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're talking about soup, and I'm getting very hungry. We're, <laughs> we're, we always we're, get hungry we left, during the show. <laughs> we, we left with a cliffhanger. We left with a cliffhanger of, uh, you know, <laughs> Keen's Cheddar and Guinness Beer soup mm. um, with with German wine. And I would say, no, not Hauptrocken. I would say um, just something charming something uh, pretty bright and charming and a very long palate the sweetness level i think you want is a cabinet k-a-b-i-n-e-t-t okay and uh, I, I don't think that you need it to be sweeter than that okay but maybe Good. maybe maybe a cabinet from the faults uh p-f-a-l-z <laughs> what it's a, what? It's a funny what? word from the faults Oh, there's so many more funny words in German. <laughs> it's, All right. It's, That's cool. It's just makes you smile. I just like to go there. Uh, <laughs> the, well, you know, the, the other yeah. thing that, that, that soup always requires is, to me, otherwise you get kind of bored, is some kind of a garnish, you know, or maybe it's the bread on the side. Like maybe with that soup, it's the warm pretzels, the warm buttery pretzels that you bake. Oh, so yeah. That, with that a would, really that intense really, sea salt. That on would be the really nice of me to do that. Make some pretzels. Yeah. Golly, I'm that ready sounds for good. pretzels. Well, and also that soup just cries out for brioche croutons. I mean, that's all there is to it as well. Yeah, pretzels. Yeah. All right. Well, no, You're I'm so with you wrong. on that. You know, I did. <laughs> uh, and and also, <laughs> I mean, I think also it's nice to have something crunchy in a cream-based soup because it's our, you know, it's it's smooth, it's creamy, it needs a little crunch somewhere. But I think also just, I mean, when have you ever had a soup that you just didn't want, like a piece of baguette or something, to just drag through the bottom of the bowl or or to even dip in halfway through eating? I mean baguette a good you know or focaccia oh my gosh you know something fun maybe with sun-dried tomatoes in it and olives you know something like that with that uh that potato soup with beer in it Mm -hmm. great supper a a really well-made pasta vajoli yes with warm focaccia on the side nice you know and yes that is pasta and beans and bread who cares but but you're happy <laughs> yeah you, 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 you're gonna be happy about it and oh, good. Uh, it's an excuse for you know some zesty barbera or something along those lines it really kind of depends on the origin of the pasta vajoli people don't i think realize they always think of just one um sort of soup that pasta vajoli just means pasta and beans right it could be any bean that's in season mm-hmm. there's a version that i love from sardinia uh, that's chickpeas, and it's a saffron tomato broth, uh, and the, they're 
always uh, like like a little spicy chili relish with that and big flakes of uh, young pecorino on that guy. That sounds so good. Yeah, it is so good. <laughs> and uh, and summer savory, if you can get it, is part of the perfume summer of that savory. broth. Okay, cool. Yeah, love that stuff. So what's the most unusual soup you've ever had? Ooh. Like on a trip or or just something that, you know, like the pasta fagioli, having that in Italy, you know, something like that. I that mean, just like, that, that, that soup I love a lot. Um, I had sea urchin soup in Spain. Oh, wow. Mm. Um, that was like umami squared kind of, you know what I mean? It was, it, it, it was almost more comparable to a malt whiskey from Scotland than it was to normal food. Um, super duper intense. And, um, but that, that was great. That was, that was served with like a little, uh, uh, you know, like half leavened bread that just sort of dragged through it. And the reality is you, you, the soup is so intense that you, you're dragging the, the bread through there. You really, you need the bread as a foil or it's very difficult to eat. I know one of your favorite soups because you always order it when you go to Beaugravier. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and this is a good time of the year for that. I don't know what he puts in there, though. That soup is so good. It's the Poitron soup, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah. The, the pumpkin Poitron, soup. Poitron, the pumpkin. Mm. And that's some unusual kind of pumpkin, too, because it certainly doesn't... I mean, now we have so many different varieties, so maybe we do have something similar, but it almost feels more squash-like than pumpkin-like a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, that's I, a I, gorgeous... I, I, I'd asked him once upon a time, and he showed me he had a rouge pumpkin in the kitchen. Oh, okay. Yeah. So well, that's, He's got a gorgeous yeah. stock in there. I mean, that's that's I, to yeah. me, that's the real key to that soup is that it's just a really well-executed, beautiful, like, veal stock that, you know, who knows what else, what else he might have put in there. I'm sure he has other bones that he puts in, but, I mean, that soup is so consistent. Doesn't it always taste exactly the same way every time you have it? I mean, it's yeah. also creme fraiche finished instead oh, of cream. Oh, yeah, that's right, right, right. Okay. So it has that little bit of acidity. Oof, it's, that's yeah. one of the reasons it's so vivid. So and, good. I mean, that's another way, honestly, to to finish something that we don't right we don't think do about here. that much. Yeah, creme fraiche. Exactly. You have to be you know have to be careful though because the soup will break if you just boil away. You know. Well, that, yeah, you, that's you, the you, soup you, you make and eat. Yeah. yeah you, you finish it and, and serve it and yeah also sort of for insurance you can make a little liaison with some a little bit of the soup and the creme fraiche and then being able to add it that way right well that's to, to 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 finish it and you can just i mean you can finish it off the fire too so exactly just don't heat that up for the, you know like we said you want to make that and eat it it's not going to heat up the next day so well that's i think you know I, we went a long time ago to a restaurant in california and had it was one of the wineries and um i think it was domaine chandon and we had yeah. a tomato bisque with a puff pastry dome and i will never forget that soup it was so good and i do that you know bocus bocus is famous truffle soup with the puff pastry dome i'm sure that's probably well i don't, i'm not sure but i think maybe that's where that chef got that idea um but i've also well, made you a trap you trap all that perfume that's oh yeah the, that's what's so fun you know it's and it's so dramatic like if you make that for your family or a, or a dinner party or whatever you're just gonna you know people are just gonna be like oh what's happening here i mean it's just you need to you need to have the um 
the terrines though to make it in uh, so yeah. that you can you have something that's safe to put into a hot oven so you can bake the puff pastry on and it rises the steam pushes it up and it rises in the oven as as uh, you're finished you put the hot soup into the terrine then brush the top of the terrine with a little bit of egg wash then you fit the circle of puff pastry over it you brush that with egg wash seal it and bake it in uh you know, 425 degree oven. And um, yeah, it's it's just a little masterpiece. But I, you know, I know we're going to talk about stock based soups. And um, I make a snail soup that way. And that smell, you know, with the garlic and the shallots and the red wine oh, yeah. and all the aromatics. And I put I put uh, mushrooms in there and the snails and you break into that puff pastry. Oh, it's so good. So smells so great. You you wanted listeners to have a consomme adventure, mm-hmm. and then we keep kicking the can down the road. Let's spend just a couple of minutes and talk about what what is a consomme and making a consomme. Because we've talked a bit about stock. Mm-hmm. So a consomme is a stock that's clarified and made into soup, and then you can garnish it. Uh, you know, if you look if you look in Escoffier's Le Guide book, there are you know probably a million different options for garnish and different stocks that you can make a consomme with. There are obviously many traditional consomme dishes. So the whole thing is you take a stock that you've made, um, which you should refrigerate and make sure that all the fat has been removed because fat is the enemy of clarity and that it's well-strained. So it's well-strained stock and the fat has been removed. And then you take out the, the stock, you bring it up to a boil and you make what's called a raft. And the raft is made from protein which is typically you can you can use ground hamburger meat um, and you would add egg whites to that and very finely if you have a food processor it's a perfect way to do it very finely chopped up carrot celery and onion mirepoix so and you can add a little salt to it so you would take the ground meat a couple of egg whites a little bit of of uh, pureed carrot celery and onion mix it all together in a bowl and you add that to the stock uh, you bring it up to a boil and the moment it comes up to a boil, you need to turn it down. And what will happen is all of that will rise to the top, the, the ground meat, the mirepoix, and the egg whites as one thing. It will rise to the top, which is why it's called a raft, because it looks like a floating device sitting on top of your stock. And it is really wonderful if you happen to have a consomme pot, which has a spigot on the bottom. Because that way you can just, when your, stock, when your consomme is done, you can drain it away from the raft rather than having to pull the stock up through the raft, which is what most people have to do because not too many people have a consomme pot. Or if you see one at a, you know, a garage sale or at an auction or in a market in Europe, buy it um, if you like to make consomme. But so the raft comes to the top and you cannot disturb it. You must leave it alone. You can poke it once and create a hole, a little bit of a hole in the center, which, and then you can base the raft, but I think that's just going too far. I don't, you don't have to do that. And I think it it just makes it possible for you to not be successful. Um, But once, you know, 45 minutes down the line after it's just very, very gently cooked, all the impurities, what's happening is the impurities in the stock rise up, attach themselves to the raft, and you are left with a clear broth. Um, And that's what you're looking for. 
So it's, it's, I would read about it. I would look at a Scoffier, um, any great French, you know, Bocuse, any of the great French chefs books. I would look at pictures in their books if they have them. Um, I think some of Bocuse's books might have uh, photographs step by step. I would strongly suggest, cause this is a very technical thing to do. You really need to understand the chemical aspect of it or the, the scientific aspect behind the egg white, what it's doing. And the fact that those impurities need to, you know, be pulled out and that's what the process is and you're left with this gorgeous really well flavored stock broth that's clear and you can then garnish it with ironically enough one of the traditional <laughs> garnishes is custard royale which is adding cream to you know in the form of a custard you're adding cream to the soup but custard royale gives you something that's rich and luscious uh, as a garnish for this clear broth and a, a lots of, there are a million other garnishes you could do. But I love custard oil. When I was a kid, there was a restaurant in the Black Forest that would bring a big soup plate to the table <laughs> and a big soup tureen, right? I feel like there's going to be a wolf in this story. No, and no, you're be the like... only wolf in this story. <laughs> okay, the, um, Sorry. <laughs> and the waiter, would ha waiter had a plate, and in the, on the plate were napkins, and he opened the napkin, and he used uh, two forks or a spoon and a fork to lift out a very fine pancake Ooh. and had shears and snipped uh. like a julienne of pancake into the soup plate. Yes. Yum. And then poured a consomme that was made with morel mushrooms just oh for my. the perfume. Perfection. Uh, onto that little pancake. Yep. And I, yeah, people, people don't cook like that anymore. Very, I mean, no. some people do. Very few people cook like that anymore. They, these guys have been in business 400 years. They've probably done I it hope before. Still, yeah, that's, that's, that's just great. Classic. That's okay. funny. You're talking about consomme like that's my archetypal <laughs> consomme memory. Mm, that's a good one. Well, so. it's just such a special thing. And, you know, there, like I said, there are so many different ways you can, you can just garnish it with mushrooms or, you can do a seafood, you know, seafood and consomme, garnish it with lobster. There are a lot of different things you can do, but it's just a showstopper because it can be so beautiful and elegant. There, mm. there is no wine match <laughs> for a <laughs> for a consomme. It's it's too subtle and and, okay. and pure. You don't monkey with it. Mm -hmm. um, let's take a moment. Now we had gotten a listener email, and you can yes. reach us. You can correspond with us via email, and sometimes we can read answers or or read your emails, tell us your favorite soup stories. Uh, it's foremanwolf at wypr.org. And Cindy, why don't you go ahead? We did a mushroom show, and uh, this is from Helen. Your topic today evokes so many memories. There's nothing like foraging for mushrooms that you know intimately. Post-World War II, immigrant families in this region came out in full force at this time of the year. Pretty Boy Dam, Farmers who gave their permission to hunt in their woods, a pine woods in Ashton, were a few of the prime locations. King Boletta's mushrooms were plentiful and filled bushel baskets. We learned the secret neighborhood spots where we can find hen of the wood mushrooms, which are myatakis, also called, and wouldn't reveal those secrets to anyone. The <laughs> random field mushrooms we picked in warmer weather were always an extra. Welcome surprise, mushrooms at every meal. I love that. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah it's beautiful. That's, mm. Yeah, that, 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 that's funny how it's certain smells, it's certain, you know, you see something sitting on the counter, 
in a kitchen and it just connects with decades of food memories. You know, mm -hmm. we'll take you right back. That visual or that smell will take you right back to another moment. Well, it's nice that we have so many wonderful things in our region to, to choose from, too, from that sort of standpoint with foraging mushrooms. I know a lot of the local chefs do foraging and yeah, it's, we live in a great place. Oh, that's, that's a great story. And thank mm -hmm. you, Helen, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So if listeners want to connect with us via email, uh, share what was your favorite soup, or if there's a previous program that you have thoughts about, stories to share, we'd love to hear them. It's foremanwolf at wipr.org. If you want to download this or any one of the other episodes in order to zip us emails, go to the WIPR website, wipr.org, look for the Foreman Wolf page, and you can find them all there. To follow Chef Cindy Wolf on social media, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook as Chef Cindy Wolf. My Instagram is the real Tony Foreman. Thanks so much for listening. Happy Sunday. Mm -hmm.